0: I don't think I realized at first what my heart was longing for. I had been streaming all of the BBC murder mysteries that I could find to watch during those first few months of COVID. My favorites were the ones that took place in an old country estate, often owned by Lord Richard or Lord William, and had probably seen better days often had had some damage from the war, and now they were having difficulty finding good staff. The group of people that attended were usually strangers to each other, or maybe knew a little bit about each other. And in the case of the, the Agatha Christie stories, which were my favorites, one was the detective, either Miss Jane Marple or Pyro, or another one of her great heroes or heroines. They were always the ones that observed the interactions from a detached manner. They're not fully engaged with the group. And then usually, the first night or the first morning, the dead body would appear. You always knew it was coming because the background music would just change a little bit and then there was the inevitable high-pitched scream. Some were better than others. And this group of people, had now entered a totally different weekend than they had signed up for, and then the story would continue from there. I wonder what Jesus told Peter, James, and John as he invited them to join him away on this mountaintop that we hear about in our gospel reading today. I expect it wasn't for a country weekend of riding horses and playing croquet, but maybe for some time away from the crowds some time for prayer and quiet solitude and reflection. Chapter 9 in the Gospel of Luke begins with Jesus' commissioning of the disciples to go out and proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And when they return, Jesus takes them to a city called Bethesda to talk to them privately. But the crowds find them, and ultimately Jesus feeds the crowds with five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus tries again to talk to the disciples privately and asks Peter, who do you think I am? And when Peter answers the Messiah, Jesus explains what this will mean for him and for the disciples, or at least he tries to. And then we move into the story that we hear today at the gospel. The Gospel of Luke is written primarily for a Gentile audience, one in which references to Torah and Hebrew scripture really wouldn't have been very relevant to their lives. They wouldn't have had the background to understand some of the references. But this transfiguration story shows up in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And this transfiguration story includes two prominent figures of Jewish scripture, if not the most prominent, Moses and Elijah. Now, biblical scholars have, of course, argued why Moses and Elijah. So some argue that Moses represents the law and Elijah the prophet. And therefore, they're offering this bridge from the days of ancient times to Jesus, the Messiah of today. Others have argued that they represent the elect, the few that were chosen by God to take up to heaven. Others have argued that they represent the prophets rejected by their own people, much as Jesus will become. And some say that, no, they were the ones we hear in scripture that came so close to God, they were actually in God's presence. I think probably all of these have some truth to them, and they're certainly plausible. But I think the most important thing to focus on this story is actually the the reaction of the disciples to seeing Moses and Elijah. They are stunned and they are shocked. Clearly this time on the mountaintop has mystical qualities. They see Jesus become dazzling white. The prophets suddenly appear. And although the disciples are weighed down with sleep, they are awake enough to realize what is going on. These are all classical descriptions of mystical experience. And these moments are when people come so close to God, they can feel God's presence. And they want to savor it, to hold on to it as long as they can which is exactly what Peter proposes. Let me build dwellings or booths or tents, depending on the translation, to capture this moment with these glorious people that he has been privileged to be part of. And Peter longs to capture it and hold on to it and make it last longer. He wants them to stay in these buildings, these structures, so they can stay up on this mountaintop for an extended period of time. I spoke at the beginning about my longings that came out during COVID. Well, as I watched more of my BBC mysteries, it wasn't actually the mysteries that I was craving. Fortunately, not the murders either. Um, It was the common denominator that ran through the stories. They involved people spending time together and especially over meals. There would always be a scene where there would be a large table that the group would settle down for dinner in. Usually multi-courses with rich conversation and laughter. This is what bubbled up to the surface for me during COVID. This is where my longing lied. I so missed gathering around a table with friends and family, having wonderful food, sharing good times and laughter. Those moments when I feel such immense joy, it's almost palpable as though I could reach out and touch it. About a year or so after the pandemic started, my daughter graduated from high school, June of 2021. And it was probably the first time that we had had sort of a larger gathering at our home. Um, We sat outside in the backyard, sort of a long patio table. And my five, the five of us were there plus my parents, my sister, and some very close friends that are essentially like chosen family for us. I went to the end of the table, as is usually my tradition, to take a photo of everyone gathered. And that day I had my 35 millimeter camera because I had just taken it to graduation. And when I looked in the lens, I realized I was having a hard time seeing what was in front of me, because my eyes were full of water. I started crying just to see this group of people in front of me, my beloveds, who had not been together for quite a while. It certainly was a mountaintop experience for me. That joy that truly is God-given, and just the immense amount of gratitude I felt that we could be together again. It felt me for So I completely understand Peter's wish to capture time those moments that were on the mountaintop and we just want them to extend just a little bit longer just to stay up there and feel so close to God. But life doesn't really work that way. We don't live in a Groundhog Day scenario. Probably fortunately in some ways. Mountaintop experiences are called that for a reason. They're a rarity, the exception, not your day-to-day experience. And the church recognizes this. The church sets up a liturgical calendar for us. There are times that we celebrate these mountaintop experiences, these holy days. Easter, Christmas Eve, Holy Week, Pentecost, All Saints Day, Epiphany. And then there are the other days. All the other days. Most of these days where we're living and learning, making mistakes, asking for forgiveness, grieving, celebrating, and moving about our lives. These days are described as ordinary time by the church. They are the green days. When we wear our green vestments, we often have green on the altar and green decorations at times. I especially love how godly play described these days. They are the great green growing Sundays because they have such a long season from Pentecost all the way till the first Sunday of Advent. Sometimes it can be as long as six months. And we do a lot of growing during that time. So, how does Church of the Resurrection approach this ordinary time? Much like we're doing today. We worship on Sunday mornings. We have faith formation for all ages. We visit the sick at home. We take care of our neighbors. We take care of our beautiful campus. And this year, I would like to invite you to consider adding something else to your green growing season. We are going to be offering a new small groups ministry here at Resurrection. There's information in your announcement sheet, and there'll be more information coming as well. But I'd like to offer a bit of invitation for you. There'll be several kinds of groups meeting, starting in September and then through the rest of the year. And there are many different structures and needs and desires in this congregation. Since this is our first time trying this out, if you don't see something that fits, come talk to me or talk to Reverend Liz, and we'll see what we can try to offer in the next go round. What we hope in these small groups is that it will give you some time and some structure To spend in discernment, to listen for God's voice in your life, to come and know Jesus in a deeper way, and to feel the Holy Spirit moving about in our world. And although we will be doing this work of small groups in ordinary time, I also guess that it might include some mountaintop experiences, as they tend to come when we least expect them. Amen.